Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Scoopy Radio, on your airwaves, on the plane, on the train, on your aux cord, in the gym, everywhere you want to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoopy. Instagram and Snapchat at Scoop underscore B. And make sure to subscribe to the Scoop B Radio podcast, which is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn App, Stitcher app, or simply by visiting ScoopBradio.com. <clears throat> I'm going to have to clear my throat there. And on the line right now is a guy who knows all, particularly when it comes to basketball. It's his favorite time of year. He's on the, the college basketball NBA prospect, Guru Rashad Phillips. Rashad, what's going on, sir? Man, thanks for having me, Scoop. It's, it's an honor, man, to be on this platform, man. I really appreciate it. Man, it's an honor for me. I got somebody that's been in the herd with Colin Cowherd. That's kind of a big deal. Yeah, Colin's my guy, man. Everybody over at Fox, man, those are like my people over there, man. So it was a great experience to be linked with those guys. And for those who are listening, Rashad Phillips is a guy that knows all. You can find him on sportstalk2319.com where he breaks down everything. Man, I, um, first and foremost, um. That draft lottery, uh, if you yeah. were a betting man, your pockets may be a little low right now. Yeah, didn't go as it didn't go as a lot of people playing. Uh, but I bet the people in New Orleans are. I'm sure they hit big. If you were gambling for New Orleans, I'm sure that person walked away happy. It was a late, 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 late Mardi Gras celebration. And, of course, for those listening, the New Orleans Pelicans do have the first overall pick in the 2019 NBA draft, which is next month. And it's widely believed that Zion Williamson will be the guy uh, drafted. Uh, your thoughts as you watch the draft lottery uh, on when, or excuse me, on Tuesday night? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, you know, to break down Zion, I, I think that wherever team he goes to, he's going to have some type of immediate impact um, from from the from the markability, uh, from his excitement, and just the media attention that he's going to attract. So from that standpoint, any team that got that first pick, uh, you know, would be elated to have a player like that that brings that type of attention to their their franchise. But speaking of the Pelicans. Um, the situation that they're in, I think they, they need a player like that, especially with all the the drama that they kind of created throughout the year. 
and, you know, the switching of GMs from Dale Demps leaving to now Griffin coming in, I just think that, you know, getting a guy like Zion at the number one pick is just something that's much needed for the city. You talked about Zion Williamson. Um, you were you were dropping a series of uh, different things uh, on Saturday uh, regarding your your analysis of who's going or, or who is going to contribute to what uh, in the draft and, and further on. But do you subscribe to the theory um, that? Well, first of all, when I look at Zion Williamson. Uh, mm-hmm. Many people are saying he, there's this excitement like LeBron James in 2003, and people were here in New York City were excited, you know, in the same way as Patrick Ewing in 85 uh, in the draft. When I look at Zion Williamson, um, I look at high-risk, high-reward. Um, to me, yeah. he is more like uh, a Blake Griffin or a Julius Randle. Do you see more LeBron in his skill set, or do you see more Blake or Julius, as I mentioned? You know what? The same thing. I I um I I say the same thing. I, I see. You know, I see. I, I I said on Twitter that he remind me a lot of of Julius Randle, which is already with the Pelicans, but he's more of a super juice version of him. I mean, they both are left handed. Um, they play that bully ball, very athletic, uh, very strong. Um, there are some things Zion does better. Obviously, he jumps higher. He's a, a little bit better defender, better shot blocker, but. I, I, I didn't buy, I'm not buying into the LeBron hype or the Patrick Ewing hype, but I do think that this kid, um, from a markability standpoint, I think he's there. But from a basketball skill set, I think LeBron was way ahead of his time, and I think Patrick Ewing for the center position was ahead of his time as well. So I don't think Zion is quite there from a basketball skill standpoint, but from a marketable standpoint, he's up there. Chad Phillips on the line on Scoopy Radio talking NBA draft. And uh, as much as people are paying attention to uh, Zion Williamson, obviously guys like uh, John Moran stand out. He told uh, Yahoo Sports recently he's not a point guard, he's a point god. Uh, and <laughs> and that bravado reminds me so much of um, Cam Newton when he said he wasn't a black quarterback, he was just a quarterback. When you look yeah. at John Morant, um, what do you like? Yeah. What, what do you what do you expect from him uh, in the NBA at the next level? Yeah, when you look at John Morant, what I what I see is a dynamic point guard, and and when I use the word dynamic, I, I I use that affectionately because there's not a lot of those in the NBA. There's a few, but the few that we have all have made an impact in the league. So when you look at what he brings to the table, here's a guy that is a, a terrific passer fantastic vision he has a feel for the game like no other and his ability to change pace change speed his athletic prowess all those things is what makes him dynamic and on top of that he's a pretty good scorer and he loves to win so that's what I love about the kid I just think wherever he ends up he's going to bring that type of attitude that type of passion and and that winning atmosphere from day one it takes a lot to win games at the mid-major level especially as a point guard, because your your supporting cast is not as good as the high major schools. So you have to do a lot of carrying. you got to score a lot. you got to assist. you got to rebound. you got to block. you got to do a little bit of everything. And he's had two years to be able to kind of uh, nourish that skill set, that attribute. So I think he brings that to the NBA. Why will R.J. Barrett be a good fit for the New York Knicks? Why won't he? Why will he? Oh, why will why will he? 
Well, you look at R.J. R.J. Barrett's the key of that is uh, I think he's built for the big stage. I think he likes to play on the high stage. I think he loves to play under the light, the popcorn smell, I say. I use the term. <laughs> and I think New York is the perfect place for for a guy like that. New York isn't for everybody. But there's a few players in this draft that can play on that big stage in front of those type of people and actually have an impact. And I think R.J. Bar- RJ Barrett is one of the few that can handle New York. Rashad Phillips on the line with Scoopy Radio talking NBA uh, draft, which will be next month at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. And um, a guy that I really, his game I fell in love with because he is such an anomaly in today's NBA is UCF's Taco Fall, a seven-foot-six center uh, yeah. who went toe-to-toe with Duke uh, in the NCAA tournament. I didn't know yeah. who he was until Duke. And um, somebody sent me a text message and was like, yo, there's this seven-six guy that's yamming on everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, yeah. talking. Gentlemen first, I'm sorry. Well, I, I know, but well, I've been very familiar with him because obviously I live in Orlando, so he's in UCF. So I, I, I see a lot of him all the time. So he's a fantastic kid also off the court. I talked to Ray Allen in February, mm-hmm. and he said he sees um, the NBA uh, going back to some fundamentals of the big man, maybe not like it, it, it once was, like Shaq and David Robinson and Akeem Olajuwon. I think we were spoiled in the 90s with just a, a, a glut of um, NBA big man who could really just run over, take over. And in today's game, you have guys who are tweeners, like the Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers. And, yeah. you, know, you, got, and, and you got Carl Anthony Towns of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, is, would Taco Fall be a unicorn in today's NBA? Yeah, I think he'll be a unicorn just because he's seven foot six. But not only that, though. Like, like let, let me let me give him some credit. Like, he's he's terrific. He's he's agile around the basket. He moves better than what what people would think. Um, he's a obviously he's a big guy, but he's he's more lean. He's a lean guy. He has terrific touch around the basket. I know people saying, "Well, that's kind of cliche because he's seven six, But no, he can actually shoot the ball. He can pass. He make good reads. The only question I have about him, though, is can he keep up with the pace of the NBA game because it's so fast? It goes hmm. zero to it goes zero to sixty, and a guy that's logging seven foot six, two hundred and eighty, ninety pounds, can he go from those quick twitch from zero to sixty off a of possession? Though those are the moments I think he'll struggle at, and maybe he can kind of check those boxes, those doubts off the off the list. Um, if given the opportunity. Cam Reddish was projected as a top five pick in the preseason. Um, mm-hmm. And and looking at a myriad of, of, of uh, mock drafts, I've seen him slip all the way to the 11th pick, which the Minnesota Timberwolves do own. Is it design and R.J. Barrett effect? Why do you think that there's no consensus on where he'll be on the draft board? Yeah, I think they're making a big mistake. If, if any team lets him drop that far, you've you, you got to look at the whole situation. I think a lot of times the, the, general, the general public, the general media, we get so caught up in looking at the box scores after everything. Mm-hmm. We just, we just want to look at the box scores. And what I like to do is I like to dig into the tape. I like to dig into the tape. I like to dig into the person. So I did some digging in, into the tape. I did some – I did I, I did some real real digging into his who he is as a person. I talked to some people in the DMV area, and what I saw is a kid that actually 
that has been so good for so long, and then it was more of a shock. Because remember, he was the first person to sign the Duke. He signed before RJ and Zion. So here's a kid that went in thinking he was going to be the number one guy, and then after a month, he was moved down the depth chart to the third option, fourth option. So you have to understand when, to, to actually deal with that and actually have to try to get used to that type of situation could be hard for an 18, 19-year-old. But when you look at him as a basketball player, uh, he has some Tracy McGrady type of attributes, 6'9", can put the ball on the floor, can shoot it, has terrific touch, he can defend. So I just think that if a, if any teams pass on him, I think he's one of the few players in this draft that's going to make people pay for passing on him. Wow. Who could you compare that to in, in recent in recent years? Would you say more like a Kyle Kuzma who made people pay? Where do, who do you see as Cam uh, Reddish's situation being like in the long term? I think John Collins from the Atlanta Hawks made mm. people pay. Uh, this is a kid that w- was pretty good at Wake Forest and six foot eleven can do it all. Great athlete can run floors and he averaged nineteen and nine this year. And he was, I think, he went eighteenth in the draft. So I think Cam Reddish will make people pay the same way John Collins. John Collins may have been the best pick in that draft. Now that you look at it, Jason Tatum had a down year this year. Kuzma. Kuzma's great, but he's in and out. But you look at John Collins, this kid is on the rise, and obviously he's playing with a great point guard, which making his life easy. But that's how I see Cam Reddish. He's going to make people pay if you let him slide that far down. College basketball and NBA prospect guru Rashad Phillips on the line via Scoopy Radio. And make sure to check him out on sportstalk2319.com. Also make sure to follow him on Twitter at rp3natural. Um, you can catch him on Colin Cowherd show. He's all over the Fox sports landscape, uh, making it happen. And, you know, one thing, if you look at his Twitter profile, um, well, I'm talking to you now. So when you look at your Twitter profile, a pin tweet is of um, you discussing Trey Young. Um, why do you think that it was so hard for him to adjust early in the season? And where do you think the late surge came from? Well, I, I, I think, I think it has something to do with the position in the NBA. you got to understand the point guard position and the quarterback position in the NFL are the two hardest positions to adjust to when you go from college to pro. you got to get used to the speed of the game. you got to get used to your teammates because as a point guard, you got to know the temperament of all 14 of your teammates. You have to know where they like the ball. You have to know the playbook. You have to know your coach's temperament. You have to control your – so there's a lot of things. Being a point guard is like juggling eight different things. you got to be able to be a great multitasker. So it takes you a little bit more time. When you look at other rookies that's playing off the ball, like a Luka Doncic or guys that don't have those responsibilities where they can just come in and allow somebody else to figure that out and you can just get your game together. Trey struggled early, and I don't want to say struggle. He just adjusted early because he had to figure all those things out. And once he figured it all out, he turned into one of the best point guards in the NBA. You said a mouthful there, man. I think that the I think that in a high paced game that, that that is basketball, there's a lifestyle adjustment. There's a there's a climate yes. adjustment. There's a yes. there's a you know leaving college where you can eat whatever you want to go to the NBA. Right. You can't eat that. Yes, it's a totally different. You got to think with a, a kid, 19 years old, coming in 
given the, given the keys to a franchise. He had to he had to adjust. He he had to live in his new home. He had to you know and there's you know driving to and from practice and juggling the media and like there's a lot to juggle there as a 19 year old point guard. And I think he was I think he exceeded my expectations. Rashad Phillips on the line talking basketball, a native of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, you grew up in the north central section of Detroit. Yes, east side. I'm an east sider. <laughs> I uh, I always I always saw past my surroundings. I always I always would dream big. I always would speak what I wanted into the universe. Even as a kid, I always would tell people, "I'm going to do this when I grow up. I'm going to do this." I even told people. I'm gonna I'm gonna do media. I'm gonna broadcast. I'm gonna talk basketball. I'm gonna evaluate players. I I always saw paths. I saw the invisible for myself, and that was that was huge in how I was able to to make it out. Yeah, and uh, you you've done that. A five nine guard. You you, you know well five nine and a quarter. You can yeah, give me that quarter. Give me that quarter. Yeah, give, give me that quarter, Scoop. Come on now. <laughs> the transition to you being a, a, a draft expert was it hard? Yeah. No, actually, it, it wasn't. You know, you know why, Scoop? Let me tell you why, really quick. It wasn't hard because I've already, I went through the process. I was the, I was the, I was on the other side of the fence before. I was the prospect before. I went through the ringers. I knew what it felt like to be a, you know, a mock, a first round mock draft pick. I knew what it felt like to be an All American. To, to have things on your shoulders, to, to, to live up to expectations. So I've, I've been on that side. And also on top of that, as a kid, when I was seven, eight years old, my father used to always have me write up scouting reports for high school, local high school players in Detroit. So my dad built a, a prospect dot database of high school players in Detroit off his eight-year-old because I was writing the evaluations for my dad. So this is something that's in me. It's not on me. It's who I am, and it's, it's what I've embraced since I've uh, retired from actually playing physically. And if you're listening to this show, Kobe Bryant once said that you were the best player never drafted. Yeah, it's a huge compliment coming from, uh, you know, I mean, the dude's a legend, one of the greatest. I, I think Kobe Bryant is the – the most skilled basketball player that we'll ever see. Him and Steph Curry are the two most skilled basketball players that I've ever seen that we'll ever see from a skill Why? standpoint. Why Steph Curry? Curry can do everything that everything that we were taught to do as basketball player, as a basketball player, he can do it better than anybody I've ever seen. He dribbles better. He shoots better. He scores better. He wins better. Like, he just does everything better than what you're supposed to do. Why Kobe? Well, Kobe Kobe comes from the game. You know, you go go back to his history. You you you, you look at the the pedigree of people. Even Steph Curry, his father played. You look at Jelly Bean Bryant, who was a pro, who raised Kobe around pros when he was a kid. So when you look at Kobe Bryant, the footwork, the mind, the mindset, the the the, the ball handling, the killer instinct, the the championships, the defensive prowess, like. All those things are, are – it takes high-level skill to be able to do. There are some things that Kobe Bryant did better than Michael Jordan. You know, a lot of people don't want to say that, but Kobe comes from basketball. Like, he was born to do it. Steph Curry was born to do it. Their fathers were NBA players. 
speaking of the Lakers, DeAndre Hunter, Hunter excuse me, out of Virginia, uh, yeah. many analysts describe him as the Kawhi Leonard of this draft. Will he ever step foot at Staples Center as a member of the Lakers with the fourth pick? I don't think so. There, I don't, and, I, and I like DeAndre Hunter, but I, I don't think he's Kawhi Leonard at all. I think that's not – I don't think that's a good comparison for him. Um, I, I do like him. He's a two-way player. Um, he reminds me a little bit more of Bruce Bowen. Hmm. Um, he's more of a Bruce Bowen to me. Um, he's not a – Kawhi is a ball handler, man. Kawhi can handle the ball. I don't see DeAndre being more – being a facilitating type of guy, but great defender, good shooter. Um, I, I, and that's the kind of guy I like him. I think there's better players for the Lakers at four. But I do like DeAndre Hunter, so don't don't misconstrue that. But I just think the Lakers would have better choices at four. With the 17th pick, the Brooklyn Nets uh, are projected uh, by some mock drafts to select Bo Ball, a freshman out of Oregon, seven foot mm-hmm. two center. I first met him uh, last year at a at a uh, at uh, Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. <laughs> I said, damn, he is tall. He doesn't look seven to us because he's skinny. Yeah. What do you like yeah. about him? Well, I think he has offensive ability. And, again, you always have to give the benefit of the doubt to kids that have fathers that played in the NBA because there's something in that hmm. bloodline. There's something in that bloodline that speaks basketball, and there's something in that bloodline that speaks greatness. Um what I like about him is his ability to shoot the ball at that size. He's very agile. But what scares me, the red flag for me, is injury concerns. And when sometimes you can be you can be too tall for basketball. Hmm. And I think Porzingis struggles with that. I think Porzingis is too tall. I think Bobo may be too tall. And I didn't say that about Taco because Taco plays in the paint. But guys that are 7-1, 7-2, trying to play on the perimeter, I just think it's really taxing on their body, and they're subjected to, to being injured more. Um, so that's my thing with Bobo. I think he's a great offensive player, but I just think the injuries are a concern for me. When I look back at the at previous drafts, um, I remember people comparing Clarence Weatherspoon to Charles Barkley. Mm-hmm. I remember that too. Uh, Clarence Weatherspoon came out of Southern Miss. Yeah. Some people say that about Zion. Do you see that comparison? Charles Barkley? You know what? There's some. When I say comparisons, this is how I look at it. I see flashes of Charles Barkley sometimes in Zion. I can't say all the way, but I do see. There's flashes of Zion. Zion is an ultra basketball player in regards to he shows flashes of Sean Kemp. Hmm. I see flashes of Charles Barkley, and I see flashes of Rodney Rogers that played. I miss Rodney Rogers, man, as a a player on the court. I ran into him in February in Charlotte All-Star Weekend. I miss his game. Yeah, man, like he was left-handed. He was powerful. He can shoot it. He can dunk it. Like, so I see flashes to answer your question, of Charles Barkley, but also see flashes of Sean Kemp, Larry Johnson, Rodney Rogers. So he kind of has a little bit of all of them mixed. He's like a like he was made in a lab with their some of their juice, like some of their <laughs> DNA. You know, like they just like they brought him out like that. Yeah, he stepped in Steve Urkel's uh, Stefano Kell chamber. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. It came out like with this, like this cool, different type of specimen. Word. Scoopy Radio talking with Rashad Phillips. A couple more questions. P.J. Washington out of Kentucky, 6'8", sophomore, yep. power forward. Yep. Um, yep. Who do you compare him to? Um, PJ, PJ to me is, you know, his obviously last, he had a great year this year. Last season, he, you know, a lot of NBA scouts would call me and say, Shadi just can't make the three ball. And this year he, he came out and proved, um, that he can knock down shots. I, I just see him as being a, a really good, a really good role player, uh, like a, like a Mike Scott for the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy that can come in, a glue guy, tough guy that can, give you productive minutes. So that's what I see with P.J. Washington. I don't see, like, superstar or he's going to blow it out the water, but I just see a solid contributor to a team that can make some shots. Kentucky will have three players uh, likely selected in the top 20 of this year's NBA draft. Keldon Johnson, uh, a 6'6", mm-hmm. two-guard, is another guy. Uh, what do you make of him uh, in the NBA draft? Uh, I, I, again, I think – I think he'll be a guy that is going to take some time to get used to the NBA. Um, I, I don't think there, there's going to be – he's going to just jump into the NBA. I think a lot a lot with these rookies where we, as the general, we think they're supposed to come into the NBA and just turn into, like, you know, superstars. That's not how it happens. I think right. there are certain key. I think there are certain players um, that can do that, but there's also a, another 95% of them that's going to take time and growth and develop. And I think Keldon is one of those players that I think by year four, year three, he'll start figuring out the NBA and, and, and make a and make a good push. The Cleveland Cavaliers have the fifth and the 26th pick uh, in the mm-hmm. next month's NBA draft. What do you think they should be looking for? I would be looking at Cam Reddish at five. I wouldn't even – I'd be – Cam Reddish and, and Jared Culver um, will be the guys I'm looking at. I, I, I looked at the – the film on Jared Colbert, and I'm releasing his draft file um, in the next hour and a half. Jared Colbert is tremendous. And I didn't know he was that good until I started studying his film about a month ago. But mm-hmm. so I, if I'm the Cleveland Cavaliers, I don't know who's in their scouting department. If you haven't watched film on Jared Colbert, I advise you to, because that's a guy that I would take at five and count Reddish. Like, I would flip a coin and not lose an hour of sleep if I drafted either one of them at five. Were you surprised that the Phoenix Suns uh, got the sixth pick in the draft? No, I'm not. I'm not. I I think the NBA was sending a message to teams um, in regards to, hey, just because you tank don't mean you're going to get rewarded. Um, So I actually, in that regard, I like that. So now, teams, just go out and play hard basketball. Stop, Stop playing and worrying about what's going to happen with the lottery balls, just put the best team on the floor and play. So, for that standpoint, I think Phoenix has had their just due. They had a number one pick last year, so I don't think you should be in the top five when you had a number one pick last year. So, I think they landed at six. I think that was good for them. Nasir Little was the 2018 McDonald's All-American game and the 2018 Jordan Brand Classic MVP. What do you see uh, teams looking at with him uh, going into the draft? I think I, I think he's a winner, and when you drafting kids, the first thing for me I want to draft. If I'm looking at my my board, if I'm a GM, if I'm a scout, the first thing I look at is character in the kid. Nasir Little has character, so let's check that box off. 
The second thing I'm looking at is, is he a winner? And I say Little is a winner. I'm checking that box. Three, can he play? And I check, he check. Nasir Little to me checks all the boxes. I don't get caught up, oh, he didn't, he wasn't doing this at North Carolina, blah, blah, blah. I, because you have to understand, again, you have to go back to the tape and you have to break down the tape. And again, tonight, I'm releasing his draft file as well. He's terrific. He's a winner. Here's the kid that's going to contribute right away. He's tough. He loves to play defense. He's explosive. And he's a better jump shooter than what people think. Rashad Phillips on the line with Scoopy Radio, the 5'9 and a quarter point guard out of Detroit <laughs> Mercy uh, College. And uh, for those who are paying attention, he was a two-time MCC Player of the Year in 2000, 2001. You were Francis Pomeroy Naismith Award winner in 2001, and your number three yeah. jersey was retired uh, yeah. by Detroit Mercy. That, that's, that's a pretty freaking big deal. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of surreal, man. It's, you know, I, every time I walk into that arena when I'm in Michigan, it just still feels funny to see your name and your number, like, up in the actual basketball arena as a kid, I've always, you know, you go in basketball arenas, the first thing you do when you're in the basketball arena, everybody does this, is you look up in the stand. Yeah. You know, that's what, it's just like a normal human reaction to walk in the arena. And the first thing you do is you, you look up and you look at all the history that, that surrounds that engulfs that arena. And when you walk into Callahan hall in Detroit, I look up and I see my name and my Jersey and that last name. And it's just like, Wow, I actually did that. <laughs> you know, it's still surreal for me. You were supposed to be in the. We talked about Kobe. You were supposed to be in the. You were undrafted in two thousand and one, so you would have been yeah. in that draft with was it Speedy? Was it Speedy Claxton? And then was it? Yeah, no, Speedy was the year before. Speedy was in two thousand. I was two thousand one. I was the draft where Kwame Brown went number one. Kwame Brown. <laughs> that was one of the worst drafts. That I mean, I'm not even saying that because I was in it. It was just really a bad draft. It was just NBA teams just trying to draft who was the biggest dude, and it was it just even it messed up a lot of point guard. Even Jamal Tinsley, who was rated the number one point guard in that in that in our class, he uh-huh. didn't get drafted till like 27. Yeah. They wasn't take they wasn't taking point guards in 2001. Jamal Tinsley went 27. Tony Parker went 28. I think only – and Gerald Sasser was considered, quote-unquote, a point guard, but he really wasn't. Mm-mm. Like, so they only really took drafted two point guards in the first round in the draft that I was in. And I'm looking – Earl Watson was 40th. You're right. This guy was a UCLA terrific – I played against Earl in college. Like, Earl should have been – me. I think me and Earl should have been first-round picks. I think Jamal Tinsley – Tony Parker, myself, and Earl Watson. I think we were the top four guards, point guards, and there were some other good guards, Horace Jenkins, Omar Cook. But the top four guards that stood out, I thought it was us four. And Earl went 40th, and I went undrafted. So that tells you. Yeah, and I'm looking at names from that draft. Tyson Taylor was second. Tal Gasol was third. Joe Johnson, 10th. Zach Randolph, 19th. Joe Wallace was there, 25th. Yeah. Like, look at like the proof is in the pudding. Like, they drafted. It was like, we're not drafting anybody under 6'7". That's kind of how the draft went. Gilbert Arenas went 31st. To Golden State. Yeah. And, yeah, Golden, and, and, and Omar Cook went 32 to Orlando. I remember the draft like it was yesterday, brother. 
Yeah, that's kind of uh, a big freaking deal. Jason Richardson went fifth, and Shane Battier went sixth. And rest in peace, Eddie Griffin, he went seventh. Yeah, rest in peace, Eddie Griffin. He was a phenomenal player. Yes, sir. So, um, before we get out of here, name me three guys that aren't mm-hmm. being talked about in the draft that those people that are skeptics or who just don't know should be paying attention to. The kid out of Washington, Martel Thibault. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right, but the kid out of Washington, he's he's terrific. He's a two-way player, Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. Um, uh, he can get up and down. He's fantastic. Uh, him, uh, Fletcher McGee from Wofford. I think he's the best shooter in the draft. Um, he's not showing up on many boards, but he's the best shooter in the NBA draft. He's a J.J. Redick type. I think he'll latch on somewhere. And, uh, Callen Horton from Iowa State. Um, this kid reminds me a lot of Ron Artest. He's hmm. six seven. He's six seven. He's two hundred and thirty pounds. He's mean. He's tough, and he can play. And he's only eighteen years old. So those are the three guys for me. Um, there's a lot of other guys that, that I like, but those three guys kind of stand out to me. You heard it first, Rashad Phillips, talking everything NBA, college, and in between. Um, where should people be paying attention to your stuff between now and the draft? Um, you can follow me on Twitter, um, RP3Natural, and also you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, Sports Talk 2319, and you can go on my website, and on, which is sportstalk2319.com. There you can find I have my own clothing apparel, so you can find that. You can find... Uh, different draft segments and, and things that will have you interviews with different NBA players throughout the season. You heard it first. Rashad, thank you so much for joining the pod, man. Keep doing your thing. I appreciate you, Scoop. Talk soon. Yes, sir. Scoop B Radio. Oh Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.